I'm Amber Tresca, and this is About IBD. I'm a medical writer and patient educator who lives with a J-pouch due to ulcerative colitis. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Welcome to episode 148. You've probably heard the phrase that laughter is the best medicine. I don't know about it being the best medicine, but it's clear that laughter can have a positive effect on our health. Some of the effects of laughter may include improving heart health, sleep, and memory, and reducing stress and the perception of pain. If you're a regular listener, you already know how important laughter is to me. But for the first time, I'm covering the link between comedy and IBD on this show. That leads me to my guest, Matt Nagan. Matt is a comedian, actor, writer, and Crohn's disease patient. He has been involved in the IBD patient advocacy community for years, sharing his experiences through his writing and his comedy. Coping with Crohn's while doing stand-up presents some challenges, but Matt tells me what got him started in comedy and how he manages pain and other symptoms before a gig. Plus, we dig into how and why people with chronic illness should think about how they can focus on making space for comedy, laughter, and joy in their lives. Matt, thank you so much for coming on about IBD. It's really great to meet you. Well, it's fantastic to be here, Amber. Thank you for having me as a guest. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I wonder if we could first start by you giving an introduction. That's probably not an easy thing to do because you do a great many things, but maybe the condensed version. Well, I like you said, I'm involved with various different fields. I'm a comedian. I'm a writer, uh, actor, former teacher of writing, and uh, had Crohn's disease for over 30 years. I'm from New York. I currently live in the wondrous Alabama right now, Montgomery, Alabama. And that's been quite a change and it's given me some material. So um, that's a short, brief introduction to myself. Right. Yeah, we'll start with that. We'll start with the Crohn's disease because uh, we want to get a level set. I know from engaging with some of your social media and then speaking with you that you've had quite a journey with Crohn's disease. And so I wonder if you would start at the beginning. Let me know about when you were diagnosed, how that went, and then maybe take me through into how you are today. Sure. So I was diagnosed over 30 years ago. I, When I was, say, around 10 years old, I used to have all kinds of stomach pains. I would eat a salad and then go lay on the couch. Ah, you know, my family, it was a very male-dominated family, so they called me a wuss and say I was making it up and stuff. But I would have all these issues. Then I started vomiting. But my parents kept thinking it was a flu. Somehow this flu lasted three years. But uh, but eventually I had, it was just a terrible night of vomiting, bile, and whatever. So I'm getting into all the details. But but we ended up going to the hospital when I was in Florida. And they said I had appendicitis. And uh, they operated. Then when I woke up, they're like, you don't have appendicitis. You have Crohn's disease. But he's like, we removed your appendix anyway. So uh, that was like... I felt bad that they just taken out body parts. I guess it could have been another one that would have been worse. But, you know, that was like the start of it. And, uh, you know, I've had a 30-year journey since with Crohn's and uh, many ups and downs. And But I'm surviving and thriving now. Yeah. Do you think they went in and they felt like they had to take something out or they had to do something? So they just said, <laughs> ah, let's just take that appendix while we're in there. Yeah. They're like, we're, we're already on the clock. So, you know, you know, we want to earn our salary. 
And uh, yeah, there was there was a lot of extra charges on the bill. I mean, I thought they should have gotten the appendix in free if they're you know since I didn't really need it taken out. But anyway, that was the beginning. That was a lot of ups and downs with it. I uh, probably done every drug that they have. Well, the drugs not with the Crohn's still, but I've done the drugs, the <laughs> hospital drugs. Yeah, you know. In the hospital and out of the hospital, like Crohn's drugs and the pain drugs that they give you, morphine, Tylenol, three with codeine, Percocet, that. I mean, it's like they really huck you up in there. You know, not that you want to be in that situation, but if you're having a blockage, which I've had probably, I don't know, six, seven times, sometimes you need that stuff. So I had two other surgeries, but luckily the last one, you know, they were both in this one area, like when I was in my 20s. So since then, which was around 23, I haven't had to have another surgery or in the last two years, I'm, I'm drug free. So that, that's been pretty remarkable how I've gone from pretty much in a t- terrible state. I mean, I lost 50 pounds. I was wow. uh, just horrible, horrible state, basically, where I was uh, not able to eat for 11 months, basically. I was always had egg drop soup and uh, I couldn't eat anything solid. Um, maybe see like egg drop soup and jello was like my diet for 11 months the celebrity should take note but you know but yeah that's that's the start for me yeah the jello i think if i never see jello again in my life that would be totally fine <laughs> exactly exactly especially when you're on the prep the colonoscopy prep they they like say that's one of the few things you can eat so you just pound in jello you're like going to town you need to go to jello anonymous or something but i was just <laughs> Scooping down, I don't know, a lot of boxes of jello. Boxes of jello. Yeah. So you were, did it start when you were 10 and you were diagnosed when you were 13? Or how did that timeline go for you? Yeah, about 10 and 13 diagnosed when I had the appendix. Then there was two years where I went back to New York. They're like, we don't really think you have it. I was able to stay off drugs and I was okay. Mm -hmm. But all these issues started coming up and they did more tests and that reconfirmed. So basically when the surgeon opened me up, he could see it was very inflamed. That's how they diagnosed it, I guess, the original time. Because he could, he's looking at my intestine and it was red and puffy, whatever it, you know, whatever the, the, the term is that they have. He's like, you got some problems, man. You got to work on it. He was giving me all these dietary restrictions I got to have. And my mother was a neurotic Jew, was freaking out. Oh, my boy. You know, like bought all this stuff that I didn't even follow some of that. But I, then I, I ended up doing my own. It, it really took me, I tried every diet that known to man yeah. that they have, like all these books, and none of them worked to me until I found my own kind of protocol. So not, mm-hmm. like every single one that they have out there, I probably tried. It's like with the drugs, I probably tried every drug. Test, I've had every test. If you name a test, I've probably had it you know, many times. Like, have you had the capsule endoscopy? That's like one that not everyone's had. I don't know if you've had that. Yeah, well, I'll be honest. We tried to do the capsule endoscopy, yeah. and they gave me the patency pill. I don't know if they did that for you as well, because if it gets if that capsule gets stuck, then they have to go in and do surgery to remove it. So right. they gave me the patency pill, and the patency pill got stuck. <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, so I've I've actually never had that test because they can't they can't give that one to me. Oh, <laughs> so. Wow. Wow, it got that's crazy. It got stuck. No, mine came right out the back end. I saw it in the toilet. I think I don't know. No, they don't. You don't give it back to them. I can't remember the protocol. No, I think you just let it let it go. I for think posterity. you let it go. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Let it go. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Because some of those tests are a little humiliating, like when they make you collect your own feces and then you have to scoop it into the little bottles and then you have to bring it back to the lady who's holding it and your hands. It's like it's a very weird encounter because I was in an office. She's like, are you done with your stool test? And she's screaming it out. And all these people are looking at me My because she's screaming about my stool test and how yeah. I put it. She's like, you got to put the stool in all the vials. Did you make it in that vial? And it's awkward. But anyway, that's what we go through. But we got to rise up above it and, uh, you know, make the most of our life. That's all what I think is, is very important to try to transcend the best you can. It can be very difficult, but try to find positivity or joy in your life in spite of all this madness. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think you've found that in various ways. And it's because you are a comedian. You are many things, but I want to focus on the comedian part of the grand spectrum that is Matt Nagan. Uh, how did you get started in in comedy? Because it doesn't really mm. seem to like go like like okay, mm. crumbs can be funny, but being a comedian isn't necessarily something I would assume that a that a person with Crohn's would would gravitate mm. towards. To it was kind of random. It wasn't my first inclination. I was always into creativity and writing since a relatively young age. And I've written poetry books and other books, humor books. But uh, a lot of my uh, writing was humorous, basically. Just that's what people were gravitating to. When I would take a writing course, people were laughing at what I wrote. So I was kind of other people encouraged me to try it. And I was very reluctant because it wasn't my natural proclivity. But mm -hmm. I thought this is a, a way to show what I was writing. That's what started me in it. But it was, it was rough for a while. I mean, my first time going on stage, I did a five-minute routine about my elbow going in for a job as a substitute teacher. Okay, and um, oh come on, man, can I get can I get a job? No, we're not hot in the habit of hiring body parts. <laughs> oh come on, man, don't discriminate against elbows. Like this went on for five minutes, and no, you're kind of laughing, but they were not. Okay, they were looking at me <laughs> horrified. And then the guy comes off stage and the guy, goes, what the hell are you doing? You're talking to your elbow for five minutes. You got to talk about relationships. You got drugs. You got to things people relate to, hey, hey, you know, and, but that got me started. I, 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 it was so bad that I was like, wow, I got to figure this out. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, and now I've been doing it all these years and, and it, it's no better. No, but it's, I actually, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you improve and you learn different ways of writing jokes, integrating, I do rants sometimes, stories, jokes, I mix it in, in different ways, different audiences, crowd work. It's the kind of thing, once you start doing it, it can be a little addictive because, if you're getting laughs and you're getting a nice response, there is a ther I think there's a therapeutic aspect to it more than anything else because even though I'm not really talking much about Crohn's, whatever's going on in your crazy mind, it's sometimes an outlet to express these ideas or thoughts you have. So, but I do think it was part of my healing for me personally to express things that were important to me and have other people identify or laugh or get where I'm coming from. Where, where was that the first time that you got on stage? Was it in New York or was it somewhere else? In New York. It was at a place called, it's, called, it's defunct now, it's called Sal's Comedy Hole. <laughs> <laughs> it was about as classy as that <laughs> moniker suggests. As it sounds? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, yes, that I went up there because I had been at this retreat where we did this improv and I was pretending to be this alien and everyone was laughing. And that sort of inspired me 
I was like, all right, that was that same day. I'm going to just go to an open mic. And I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't prepare anything. I just went with that elbow thing. And I was just like, let me just see what happens. And because I had improvised that other thing. So I figured I could just go up and improvise it. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, that's what got me interested in it. And over time, it developed. And I've done a lot of stuff now since then. But that was the beginning. Right. So sales comedy hole. (laughs) I don't think I could say that without laughing. How could anyone say that without laughing? (laughs) When I think about comedy clubs, I think about an atmosphere that might not be very conducive to somebody who's dealing with Crohn's, dealing with symptoms. Um, You say you're you're doing relatively well now, but I imagine that you were also doing stand-up at times when you weren't doing well. Uh, You know, how do you handle that before you go on stage? No, that's true. But, uh, well, for me, in terms of bathroom usage and stuff, I find that if I eat close to a show or whatever I'm doing, a performance, that would be problematic. What I do is I don't yeah. eat for a few hours before the show. I seem to go on energy anyway. I eat after. So that's like right. number one for me. I never eat before or even close to because then I might have to go to the bathroom or something. Not that I, it's never happened, but you know, there's been issues here and there. There definitely there's been missed shows, but I try not to miss no matter what, you know, and just kind of ride through it. But there's definitely some nights when you don't feel well, when I have, you know, on and off. Now I'm doing a lot better, but chronic pain. Mm. So you you could be in pain up there, and you've got to muster the energy and be happy and act. Not, no, I'm not the happiest act, but you know, a little happy. You gotta <laughs> bring people in a little bit. That's the that's the performance aspect. Yeah. And sometimes you don't feel like doing that. Show must go on. What, what I what I found is um, it's an amazing thing. The it's hard to explain it better than this, but I found that for general, the symptoms can abate if you need them to abate. I know that sounds weird, mm-hmm. but not if you're like having a blockage or there's some crazy thing going on. Obviously, there's exceptions, but for a lot of the cases. They'll either abate or they won't abate, but you'd be so distracted that you'll make the best of it. A good corollary is this book, An Anthropologist on Mars, by this man named Oliver Sacks. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's a neurologist, and he has these case studies. And one of the case studies is this guy, Carl Bennett, who is a uh, Tourette individual, has Tourette's, and he can't stop those nervous texts. But when he he's also a surgeon, though. So when he operates on people, his um, nervous texts cease. And he's able to, for whatever reason, operate smoothly, take out the organs. Now, I probably wouldn't be very confident if I knew my surgeon was a erratic <laughs> individual. <laughs> I, I might have second thoughts, but it works out. He happens to be very skilled, so I'm not shaming his name. But I'm mm-hmm. just saying... That's the kind of thing where with the Crohn's as a corollary, you would think every five minutes I'm up there on stage, excuse me, I need a bathroom break. But no, yeah. I'm able to, all of a sudden somehow, I'm able to hang out, do my thing, and then run to the bathroom as soon as I get off. So you know what I'm saying? So I'm able to make it happen. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then at least what happens with me or what I've spoken to some other people about too is that you're you're pushing through acting like you're not in pain and you you might be in pain or have other things going on and you push through you get done what needs to get done and then there's kind of a crash do you do you find that that's what happens sometimes definitely definitely 100% no there's no question 
I'm getting a little older, so energy too. I have to do more things now to maintain the energy. And I try to be, especially on stage, like an energetic act Yeah, to a certain extent. So that's another thing that there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. What I try to do is not focus on it too much and just try to make the best of the parameters that I've been given. It's like you've been given, let's say you've got a four, seven, nine ace. This is not a good poker hand. But I'm going in there and I'm bluffing, you know, and I'm playing like I got a full house here. You know, they don't know that I have this lousy hand like this. is There's got nothing. But, you know, then I just got to work with what I got here. And that's kind of my, I don't know. Sorry, I bring it back to gambling. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> I, I know, I'm like, like, poker what? hand, I'm going to take your word for it. I don't know anything about poker. So. <laughs> I was going to say the podcast is being brought to you by the World Series of Poker. No, that would be weird, but <laughs> there's a promo. But no, I that, wish. That, Can that, you hook me up? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk later. All right. Okay. 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 After the break, why it's difficult to make Crohn's funny. Right now, you've said that you don't include a lot about Crohn's in your act, and we can get into why that is, because I think <laughs> Crohn's is both funny and not funny at the same time. <laughs> I think it kind of depends on the day. For me, it depends on the day. Sometimes I can see, you know, like Dumb and Dumber, the diarrhea scene, not funny to me, okay? Right. Bridesmaids, the diarrhea scene, 100% funny to me. like, and I, and I don't know what the difference is there, but that's where I'm coming at it from. Uh-huh. I'm wondering how you incorporate that into how you uh-huh. are, are thinking about your Crohn's and how you're dealing with that in your everyday uh-huh. life. Well, in terms, of, in terms of the material, I haven't had as much success with that material with a mainstream audience. So it hasn't been prominent, but I would like to do it. I think anything is game- for for Crohn's, I do have some material, like older material. I could even give you a sample if you want. But the the I haven't made that an emphasis just because I have so many other topics. But it's not that I'm close to it being part of my my standard act. But I've done Crohn's shows where it's like those audiences totally get it. It's just the average person. There's a little bit of explanation, and there isn't a little bit of not everyone gets everything about Crohn's and the commonality. From my perspective, everything is fair game for humor. Uh, Robert Klein was like had 11 HBO specials told me when I asked him about that it's just you know if you're going to do a joke that's 9-11 or the Holocaust it's got to be a better joke it's not that you shouldn't joke about it but it's got to be really because if you do a joke about Beanie Babies or Hello Kitty and people don't laugh it's no big deal but you do a joke about 9-11 it's a little more awkward so that's that's the only that's the rubric I use I, I don't think anything yeah. should be off but but you know, humor is very, can be very healing to deal with this. And Gallo's humor, I love. I like that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no, it, that, that's the only reason. But, like, I think I mentioned I did this rap video called Illis MC by my alter ego, Little Cronesy, that we played at the um, Crohn's and uh, Colitis Foundation event at the Garden City Hotel. And it's on YouTube and whatnot. And that was, like, a, a way to channel some of my frustration with Crohn's into a creative kind of comedic thing. So I, it has, and I've done Crohn's shows. Do you think that you 
would be okay with being known as the comedian who has Crohn's? Or is that something that you think you've tried to avoid? I mean, you did do, uh, is it Little Cronesy or Lil Cronesy? <laughs> Lil Cronesy, like Lil Baby, Lil Wazy, you know, you know that, that was that was the whole, I had to have the dollar sign in there because he's gangster, you know, bling, bling. Um, yeah. So, so, so yeah, no, I mean, uh, there are other comedians like who are, who are actually household names who have it, like Pete Davidson, you know. And, yes. uh, but, 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 um, I wasn't personally trying to be known as a Crohn's comedian or anything like that, yeah. but, um, it was such a big part of my life and I've been involved with the CCFA and other mm-hmm. charity and my, two of my brothers have it that for me, I decided just to be open about it. It might hurt my career a little bit, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But it's not like it's. <laughs> I'm playing the Radio City next week, guys. But you know what I'm saying. So, so, yeah, but, yeah. but, but, I, I felt like I felt like anyway. For me, it was important to be real about it. I like to live as authentically as possible. This is just part of my life. Fortunately, I'm doing well now. Yeah. So that that that's where it was. It wasn't like some strategy to do Chrome shows or anything like that. So. Yeah. Did you ever try any Crohn's material in front of a non IBD? audience oh of course many times yeah. that's why i'm saying I, I have i've had a harder time getting that across than other stuff mm. to a non-ibd audience to non that's why i haven't otherwise it'd be a bigger part of my act because i find it right it's just it's just one of those things it's just uh, it's hard to explain it may be just my skill on that I, I, now you're inspiring me maybe i'm gonna work out some some other stuff and try it but i've had a harder time it's had a harder time w- with non-ibd audience right i mean because on the one hand everybody poops, right? So everybody understands that experience. And everybody's had diarrhea or worse, at least one time in their life, right? Food poisoning, something like that. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, is it the is it the poop thing? Is that, you know, something that you think maybe mainstream audiences have a more difficult time with? Or, or what did you try? Like, was there something that you tried and that just didn't go over well? A bunch of different material. No, I, I don't think it's the. I don't think it's that. I mean, that could be a little aspect of it, actually. Yeah. But but I don't think it's that really. You know what it is? I just think there's a lot of explanation you have to do to get people on board. A lot of people don't even know what Crohn's is. Yeah. Like I can give you a little. Oh yeah. Little, mm-hmm. Yeah yeah yeah. So IBD for the average person. I remember I'm in the south. In New York, it's a little different. You say Crohn's, yeah. people know that. Okay. Um. But down here, for example, which is where I'm doing a lot of stuff there's a little more explanation and I like to get to stuff fast. Mm. So it's a little bit harder one. I, I, I find and now that just might be how my act is or what I've been doing, but I'm not close. Like I said, I would totally do it. And I used to do those crone shows and I had stuff that was clean. That wasn't even like, if you want to give you a little sample, what I used to, you want to see. So I'd say something like, um, so I say I have Crohn's disease and, uh, the thing with Crohn's is no one knows what a Crohn is. Like, what's a Crohn? Right? God forbid you get that Lou Gehrig's disease. At least you have instant brand name recognition. <laughs> you can wear your disease with all the pride of a Hall of Famer, right? And then you got that chronic fatigue syndrome. That's kind of a wussy condition, right? You got the chronic in there. You got the fatigue. Boom, you're done. Go take a nap and call me when they find a cure other than espresso. So I, that was like the start. And then I go into this whole thing about what Crohn's is. And that was totally clean. I don't know. It just was hard to hard to get across. And I had one about the um, the anal probe with the aliens and that um, that people were so worried because the aliens are coming. And I said, oh, no, I had to get a colonoscopy every year. So at least 
and you know, probe is nothing to me. You know, at least I'll save a ten thousand dollar hospital bill and stuff like that. But to a regular audience, it never really. I don't know. It just, I just I got to work on it, maybe. Yeah. Or find the over forty five crowd who's had their screening right. colonoscopy. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And maybe get into more of the the fecal matter and all that. I I definitely that there, there's there's stuff in there that's definitely right for humor. I, I, it's just not what I what I focused on for whatever reason. But um, I, I think there are comedians that do it. I think it's totally there's a guy named Ben Marsden yes. who uh, did a whole show on just on his Chrome. Mm-hmm. So I think it's totally possible mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, I agree with you about how laughter comedy so important to all of us. I think it is especially important to people like us who lives with these really stupid, chronic, complicated diseases. And so I'm wondering if you have any advice for people on how they can include comedy, laughter, joy in their everyday life. Are there small things? Are there big things? Comedy guru, tell us. Tell us what to do. I'm no guru. (laughs) One piece of advice would be a lot of people, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with watching humor. That's That can be healing in itself, like watching mm-hmm. stand-up, watching funny mu- movies. But in addition, I really think keeping a comedic sensibility about your own experiences as they're going on can be really help, healthy and really good spiritually for you. Like mm-hmm. able to look at it from a kind of a wider lens, but try to look back like you're an eagle overlooking the whole scenario and how you fit in with all the other Crohn's patients and all these this whole medical apparatus and this whole world that we're in and that's what's great about comedy it can I find also here's the thing about why it's so good if you can laugh at yourself or find humor maybe you keep a diary maybe you're just funny you're a bit of a cut up with your friends it's great because people a lot a lot of people say like they don't want to hear about your Crohn's which there is some truth to it if they don't have it themselves they probably don't understand it and they might not want to hear it. But if you're able to pepper in a little bit of self-deprecating humor about it, mm-hmm. people are a little more open to hearing about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll because it kind of humanizes the whole thing and it's showing you're not taking yourself too seriously. So that's why I think it's a really good coping mechanism socially and just spiritually for yourself. I think that's really good advice. I probably am very annoying because whenever I'm having a procedure or an exam, all I do is make dumb jokes. I like I think it probably gets kind of annoying because that's the only way sometimes I know how to cope with it when you have a person, you know, who is looking at your body parts. <laughs> and it's uncomfortable and I just start making jokes, you know? Like just like you know, anything that comes to mind, I just start making jokes. Right. And that's, and that's great. You know, that's, that's better than, cause you know, my grandmother always said, laugh in the world, laughs with you cry and you cry alone. It's actually yeah. from a poem. It's not like she came up with it, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great, she lived to 99 and it's great advice. I think you, if you're able to laugh, you, you actually, if you're going through a hard time, you, it's sometimes it's hard. And I understand you can't, but if you're yeah. able to find it, you will get more sympathy. You will get, it's weird. It's a weird counterintuitive. Yeah. It's like if you cut away from getting sympathy, people will give you sympathy and want to be around you. Whereas the other way, they're just going to be like, you know, a little much. So 
it's uh, so it's it's a it's 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 a very useful tool that's underrated. And if you go to the doctor, he's not going to prescribe you two tickets to Gotham Comedy Club. But it you know it, it might have some some benefit. Yeah, maybe they should. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, prescribe us all some uh, Comedy Central or some. <laughs> They should when they when they give you the the list of things that you're supposed to do or not do <laughs> after you get diagnosed. One of those things might be you know yeah. go yeah go watch yeah, something funny. Have, yeah, they should have the Crohn's Awards. Everyone gets a golden toilet, you know, something like that. <laughs> and uh, we could have the it's just Crohn's humor. We have a whole channel on. I don't know. This is just thinking off outside the box, but and I, I and I think I mentioned this on another podcast, but I'll say the the laughter yoga. That that's a thing that's popular in India, and also I was involved with the Gotham Comedy Foundation, and the founder claims to have healed his cancer by watching Marx Brothers movies, The Three Stooges, just laughing at stuff, got his mind off it, and that's why he started the Gotham Comedy Foundation. And I've heard crazy stories like that. I know it sounds pie in the sky, but if your mindset is is, is in a in a positive frame of mind, it can, it certainly can't hurt, and it might have miraculous benefits. Right. Mindset is so much of it and the distraction aspect. I will say, though, after surgery, laughing is a little rough. (laughs) 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 Maybe uh, laughing on the inside versus on the outside. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. You're like, please, ow, ow, no no more. No more, you're cut off. um, But, yeah, I understand what you're talking about because you got that surgery scar and you're like, yeah, so you got to be very careful. But fortunately, my family is not very funny, so I didn't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, maybe that's why you went into comedy. It's just, you know, a natural response. There needed to be somebody funny in your family. Coming up next, Matt's advice for people living with IBD. Matt, we've talked a lot about comedy and how that relates to your journey and chronic illness. Do you have any general advice for people who live with an IBD? Well, for me, there is a certain level of control that we have. A lot of people think this is their fate and that there's nothing they can do. and They just have to listen to the doctor and it feels very hopeless. I try to come from a point of that, take steps that you can control and try to empower yourself to give yourself a little bit of agency, it'll boost your spirit, just the fact that you're taking these steps. And there are things you can do. There's no guarantees, unfortunately. It's a horrible condition, but it might benefit you. And at least you're working towards something. You're taking action. So that gives you a sense of empowerment. And hopefully it actually works at a certain point too. So so I think I think that's the way to to approach it. And you can do that while still following your doctor's protocols. That's, that would be my pointer on that. What makes you laugh? What do you like mm-hmm. to see when you are seeking something out? Well, I like stuff that's a little edgy. I like stuff that, yeah. that kind of pushes the boundaries of the appropriate. So that's probably my favorite. But I, you know what, I, I, I enjoy all kinds of humor. I do enjoy like the clean humor, like, like a Brian Regan or something too. So I, it, I, I'm very open-minded with it. I, I kind of one of those people, I'm always studying different comedians or different types mm-hmm. of comedy going back, writing to, 
going Voltaire and all the Swift. I'm one of those people that thinks there's many ways up the mountain and I kind of gravitate towards all of it. That's why people like watching different specials because everyone has a little bit of a different vibe, a different personality, different attitude, experiences. So, you know, it constantly changes. But for someone like, if you go back classically, someone like Don Rickles was one of one of my favorite comedians. And I know now he's, uh, <laughs> with all those scandals, has had some issues. But Woody Allen is was probably what got me into comedy because mm-hmm. he was like such an inspiration to me. Um, so, and I've always loved his movies and whatnot. So we won't get into the other side of it, but <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I, I just on his pure creativity. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's. I've always thought he was one of the funniest out there. And Matt, you have quite a corpus behind you. So, but I want everybody to be able to find you and to find Lil Cronesy. Can you tell me what are the places that people can engage with your content online? Right. So, at all the social media, I'm at the Megan Please N A G I N Please, and also I have. A website, mattnagan.com. I got my calendar of upcoming shows on there. Right now, I'm in the South. I do go back to New York area and other areas. Oh, I'd love if you check out my social media. and The the Crohn's rap might be right up your alley. And I have some stand-up Crohn's clips up there that you can check out. And, uh, and that's pretty much it. I, I really appreciate you having me on here today, Amber. Oh, I really am just... Overjoyed to meet you. Laughter and comedy is just so important to our lives. And as adults, I think sometimes people lose that. They they lose that wonder and that joy and that ease of laughter that children have. And so I think we have to work at keeping that in our lives and, and bringing it back to ourselves. So I appreciate all that you do to, to make us laugh, to make me laugh. Uh, many times during just this half an hour. (laughs) And I will put all of your information in the show notes so that people can find you. And best of luck with everything going forward. Best of luck with being in the South. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. As a New Yorker. I need need it because last night I was performing for three pigs and two chickens. So, you know, this is when a rooster heckles you, you know, it's rough. But I, I, I appreciate that. And um, there's not a lot of Jews down here, only Jews for Jesus. So I, I, I appreciate any love I can get from your audience or check me out online. And I, I may one hope to do a, a, a comedy, you know, YouTube special. And a lot of it, my material now is about being sort of the outsider down here in Alabama. So if you're into that topic, you can check out some of that too when that comes out. But thank you so much for having me on. I I, I really enjoyed it. And I like talking with you. And hopefully this gets them a different little perspective on how to look at Crohn's and how to cope with it. Hey, super listener. Thanks to Matt Nagan for finding some time to talk with me about how he manages IBD as a professional comedian. Be sure to follow him across social media as Nagan Please. And check out his website, mattnagan.com, for upcoming appearances. Don't forget to swing by his YouTube channel so that you can get your fill of his alter ego, Lil Cronzy. As always, links to a written transcript, everyone's social media handles, and more information on the topics we discussed 
is in the show notes and on my episode 148 page on aboutibd.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. About IBD is a production of Mal and Tal Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresca. Mix and sound design is by Matt Cooney. Theme music is from Cooney Studio. Procrastination, which I'm guilty of as well. I'm a writer. That's all I do. Like if I have a deadline, my house is really clean. (laughs) 